<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Hello and welcome to Bend the Knee, a song of ice and fire podcast. I am Sir Matt the Broken. And I am Sir Jimmy of House Gimp today, I guess. Uh, welcome to our Song of Ice and Fire book club today. We are into Storm of Swords Tyrion chapter one. Yeah, wow, guys. If you're wondering why we switched up our intro today, I mean, I don't know, just crazy uh, little past two weeks for Jimmy and I here. You know, I was complaining to Jimmy a couple of weeks ago. I was like, man, I'm having some like pain in my knee and stuff like that. And, you know, a doctor's visit, a CT scan, a chiropractic visit, a urgent care trip uh, later within the span of like one week. Turns out I have a slipped disc in my back. So for those of you watching, I'm um, actually... You're just going to see images uh, today because I'm standing and it looks really weird on camera. So look really, really tall. <laughs> only Jimmy, only Jimmy's going to see it. Um, and so I have my microphone in a slightly different position. So if audio is affected or anything, uh, that would be why. But I mean, Jimmy, we all I mean, we all just got health stuff going on here. So, yeah, I got to get this. Uh, I got a cyst that's developed in my cheek. I got to get that cut out. So. I'm going to get the old Joker smile, uh, you know, uh, scar right. on my face. But I was doing some jujitsu the other night and uh, got my knee popped, which is really unfortunate. So uh, I have an ortho appointment here at the end of the week, but I'm thinking it's either my lateral meniscus or my LCL. Either way, not very cash money, as the kids would say. Definitely. Yeah, definitely not. Both of us taking some major L's. Uh, yes. right now but you know what hey it's perfect because we're talking about the Tyrion chapter this weekend hey one of the things Tyrion is dealing with is uh what's left of his face yes right? he had a little <laughs> bit of a botched surgery you could say uh he did not get the pristine nose job that he may have been hoping for yeah so with that um guys we'll dive in i guess do we have any news before we get going jimmy anything uh, i know you and i were talking about potentially bringing somebody on that could be maybe some, like a guest appearance that could be kind of cool yeah i think uh, early in march you know uh, i have a friend named joanna from joanna reads over on youtube she runs a wonderful uh book centered channel and she is currently rereading a song of ice and fire and she just finished up game of thrones i think it's her first reread in almost 10 years or something like that and she has a lot to say she did a, a great discussion panel on that on her channel but i've extended the invitation out to have her come and join us and just kind of talk about her experience with book one you know game of thrones all over again so i think she'll be joining us sometime early march uh to kind of come discuss 
uh, fawn over <laughs> the masterpiece that is a Game of Thrones. So look out for that, uh, everybody. And I think it's going to be a really good time. And Joanna is a wonderful person and, and super well spoken. So it'll, it'll be great. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And we, you know, definitely try to always bring more people on the podcast, uh, you know, when we can, you know, we might, we were talking about potentially doing a um, rewatch of the show. I've actually been watching some like clips and stuff on TikTok. They've been popping up and I'm just like back in it. I've been posting more uh, TikToks uh, and short and short content as well. Um, So crazy theories I've been posting and and I'm honestly surprised uh, by the, just by the by the some of the some of the responses right i did one on is varus a merman i did one on <laughs> alistair on on uh is Bruce bolton a vampire which is one you know ones we've covered on the podcast before that are certainly fun but uh, another one i did is alistair thorn in winds of winter uh because you and i talked about mm-hmm. that a little bit i think just briefly we, we were touching on a handful of things that we were talking about you know potentially what is his role gonna be like and so um, you know, that's something that we are definitely going to do some full episodes on, and we've been doing more Patreon content, uh, as well. And so you can definitely go check a lot of that stuff on, but I think that's some of the things we're going to be doing, especially over on Patreon is like the rewatch and just like, Hey, look, looking at all these characters, be like, all right, let's do it. Like a winds of winter dive into yeah. what we think could potentially you know, could, could potentially happen. So, okay. Well, with that, let's move on to Tyrion one from a storm of swords so i guess really the last time we saw Tyrion was the battle of blackwater it all went dark (laughs) yeah it all it all went dark and uh he's gonna be waking up here to sort of a new world right which is sort of interesting to kind of think about right and uh this might be one of the things i think why john might get resurrected and wins a winner but that's it and then it's sort of when we jump into that final book, it could be sort of maybe a similar thing to what we see here with Tyrion, where, you know, you go back to the last book, A Clash of Kings, and Tyrion's really, he sort of rolls into, uh, he sort of rolls into the Red Keep and King's Landing on top, right? Yeah, he for rolls sure. In, he sort of says, hey, guess what? I'm Hand of the King. All right, I'm making some changes. Deal with it. Mm-hmm. and he's riding high until the battle of blackwater and now everything has totally changed he's not even in his 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 room anymore he's been moved to a different room so that's where we'll start here so uh read the just sort of the the summary here so Bronn visits Tyrion, who is recovering from his wounds he finds that much has changed in king's landing under his father's rule he also realizes that his father has seen to it that Tyrion received little of the credit for saving the city Bronn has been knighted and now goes by sir sir Bronn of the blackwater lord jocelyn jacelyn bywater was killed by his own men during the battle of the blackwater and sir adam marbrand was named commander of the city watch cersei has returned Tommen to the city and the kettle blacks now all knights are no longer working for Tyrion. his cousin tyreek has still not been found and is feared dead additionally Tyrion's mountain uh, clansmen have been chased out of the city some remain in the king's wood but others return to the vale Tyrion asked Bronn to learn more about Sir Mandon Moore, trying to discover if his sister sent the King's Guard to kill him. Tyrion forces himself to dress and visit his father, despite the near captivity in Megor's holdfast by his sister. Lord Tywin reveals that some battles are won by quills and ravens, and is in the process of composing letters. The Hand tells his son that Sir Hulman Tullhart 
and Robert Glover are marching on Duskendale, but he has sent Lord Randall Tarly and Sir Gregor to deal with them. Tyrion seeks a little gratitude from his father, but Lord Tywin tells him mummers and monkeys require applause. <laughs> Tyrion states that he wants Casterly Rock as he is heir by rights since Jaime is a sworn brother of the Kingsguard. Tywin will never let Tyrion have the Lannister's ancestral seat, however, and he warns him that he will hang the next whore Tyrion takes to bed. So as we sort of said, Jimmy, it's really kind of... Um, you know, I think if you look at a lot of these first few chapters in a clash of, in the storm of swords, excuse me, they all sort of feature like another big sort of dramatic shift. And I, you know, George sort of sort of does this with our main characters. It almost feels like all of our main characters at the end of one of the books go through pretty dramatic changes, right? Yeah. I mean, you think about like just where Daenerys is at the end of a Game of Thrones to where she is at the beginning of a Clash of Kings. Even Tyrion, right? I mean, Tyrion spends his first book sort of, okay, He's he goes to Winterfell. He, he's just kind of, I get to go do whatever I want. He runs into Catelyn Stark and things change. He's on the run and he gets knocked down a peg. Now he gets lifted up a peg. And now he's here and he's at almost his lowest of lows. I mean, it'll get even lower, but it's certainly a huge thing. We just did that Arya chapter and Arya is now making that shift from... Arya Stark to Ari to now, okay, she's beginning this sort of learning and using some of the things that she learned from Jacken to Jack and Hagar to sort of shift her. And Tyrion's sort of the same thing here. This is where where I feel like Tyrion really has to start playing the Game of Thrones. Like, yeah, yeah go ahead. Well, yeah, I, I I totally agree with you, and and we kind of see Tyrion. Remember when we run into Tyrion, he is very much just the dwarf brother who is always messing up his father hates him he's kind of accepted that and he kind of plays into the role of being like the dunce almost even though he's obviously well read and then in clash of kings he gets some power he gets some responsibility you know it's it's like the son coming home from fraternity and and being able to run the family business for a, a summer and it turns out he's pretty good at it and he's also in love with it he loves the power he loves having people actually have to kind of heed his words and Braun is obviously his right hand man. He feels like he has the muscle and maybe for the first time he feels like a giant. And what we see here, like you said, is like waking up in an entirely different timeline in a different world. And not only was he out pretty much for an entire month, but he almost dies. That's what we learn in this chapter that he almost dies. He comes back from that. And the most important transition in this book and what we see developed through this entire book of what George puts on Tyrion is this is Tyrion slowly delving into a super paranoid state into a very everyone's out to get me mindset. And he's not wrong. <laughs> That's the thing is that he's not wrong, but I don't think he helps himself very much. And you can kind of start seeing in this chapter, uh, he's not playing the game very well. Is he going in and demanding something from his father? Now, is that because he's on the milk of the poppy? Or is that because he's just so fed up and he can't let help but ha have his emotions get the best of him? But going in and demanding something from his father, I feel like he kind of showed his cards too soon. And unfortunately, this is the beginning of the downfall of Tyrion Lannister. And we will remember this conversation when we think about the end of the book and the last conversation that Tyrion has with his father. And it, it, it's a pretty 
interesting point that this starts out with basically Tyrion being told that he will never be his son, that like he will never have Casterly Rock, which Casterly Rock, sorry, Casterly Rock, <laughs> tongue twister for me for some reason, uh, is something so important to Tyrion. And I think it's to legitimize himself. Uh, to not be seen as an outcast. And he talks very much uh, about wanting to burn it down uh, in other scenes and other books. Ty has dragon dreams even, which, you know, we've kind of talked about maybe Cersei flees to Castle Rock at some point if Aegon takes the throne. And who knows? Maybe uh, Tyrion is on a dragon with Danny and burns Castle Rock. Who knows? Who knows? Um, but I, I, I just love this chapter. I think it kind of, like you said, it's the beginning of a new arc for Tyrion and things are going to get really, really bad very, very soon. And also Tyrion and Tywin talking. I mean, come on. That's the, those are the best scenes in the entire series for me. So this is a a plus one. Yeah. And I'm going to go uh, one step further, you know, because one of the things that I think we often forget again, as we're often influenced by the show. And I'm just sort of, I was sort of thinking about it too, just as, as you were talking there. One of the things we really sort of forget about because it's just like the way fan art does everything is Tyrion loses. I mean, he loses his nose. Yes. It's it's not like in the show, he just gets a scar and it's still Peter Dinklage who plays him. And, He's handsome. Yeah, I mean, he is. And so you have that going for it. So it's it's another thing where it's like he, that now he really is he's turned from just like oh he's a funny you know little dwarf and you know whatever to now like he has sort of that monster ness to him that i yeah. think it's easier for people to sort of eat that much more turn on you know turn away from him because now when they see him he's disfigured it's it was one thing when he was just sort of a dwarf yeah now he's a disfigured monstrous little dwarf and it's so much easier for people to just view him and be like disgusted or whatever it might honestly even be i'm because we we're never going to get more info on it so if you look if you just sort of look at the character of shay th this actually could be something that sort of because mm. her, her story is still so secretive like this actually could be another reason why she actually turns away from him i still like love the whole angle of maybe tywin was behind it somehow maybe he paid her to sort of be a test Tyrion, which is still totally true and possible um especially if you just look at the show right uh they, a lot of the storyline continues just as it does in the books but you don't have that angle of him like losing his nose and you mm -hmm. know potentially like you know, almost like skeletal. Well, and his uh, stock is, you know, his stock is absolutely. And yeah. if Shay wants to be a climber or be in, in the good graces of people who matter, I mean, let's be honest, Tyrion in this book begins to plummet. Also on top of that, he ends up getting married in this book. <laughs> so that right. clearly has a, has an issue, but I've always enjoyed the idea that maybe Shay uh, was sent from Dorne. Uh, and you know, maybe the reason why Tywin's on the pot at the end of the book is because she had been poisoning him or, I mean, there's a lot of craziness out right. there about this and we'll, and we'll dive into it when it. we get there. Yeah, for sure. Um, but th th you're right. This disfigurement is, is massive and we don't get that in the show because Dinklage is just a handsome chad of a man and, um, Tyrion is disfigured outwardly and i think that begins to show the descent of his inner self as well and we see him do some pretty heinous things in future books um that's rough that's really rough and and i've made the case and a lot of other people have as well that that Tyrion is uh somewhat of a villain post 
uh, a storm of swords. And at the very end of storm of swords, we will see him kind of make that first step where he is intentionally trying to hurt someone, which is, uh, which is sad, but the disfigurement absolutely plays a role in all of this for sure. Yeah. And, and if you look at honestly, what Tyrion sort of loses at this point, it's almost everything. I mean, you think of it just where he was just a few, you know, obviously it's been a long time since we since we were back, since we were doing the reread because of House of the Dragon and everything. But I mean, just, you, you know, if you were just reading it, you just a few chap just a few chapters ago, uh, Tyrion was saving the city. He still had his he still had a small little battalion of men in the in the Moon Clan and he had Braun, his hired sellsword. Well, now and of course, you know, Shay, but now Braun has been knighted. Yeah. So now Bronn's kind of like, well, I don't really need you anymore. Not that he does that right here because he still sort of serves and works with Tyrion. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you would have to, from Tyrion's point of view, imagine I've just lost a little bit of control there. His, his little army is gone. Not that they were great or anything, but it's still nice to know, hey, I've got some muscle, hired muscle in this incredibly dangerous place. And of course, he's no longer Hand of the King. And not only is he no longer hand of the king, but his father's back, the one person who will put him in his place and tell him, you know, you will do this, you will do that. And Cersei has had her father's ear for a full month at this point and has even sent a maester to come check on him. And then there's a line, you know, where Tyrion's basically like, yeah, she's trying to kill me. And Tywin's like, she was worried as just the rest of us. And I actually had a moment and, and, and I'd like to hear what you think about this, Matt, but like, do you think Cersei actually may have been worried? Like, do you think maybe she really was trying to make sure that he was okay? Uh, I know she tried to have him killed on the battlefield, <laughs> but with her dad coming back, like, I don't know. Do you think there's any remorse there at all? Or do you think Cersei I is think totally there, off? The I, I do think that there are moments where Cersei does somewhat feel something for Tyrion. Um, in the show, they don't do it, but in the book, uh, the moment where she, where Tyrion tells her that Stannis killed Renly, uh, yes. where she like she like picks him up, she's like she's like so overcome with like she's like she's like picks him up, she's like, are you serious? Like, yeah, I mean, you know, so like there are, I think there are certainly moments where. That 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 is the case, but I think they're very few and and far. I mean, I think there's probably maybe like four or five moments where you could. I think that's like one, uh, but I think really outside of that, there's like maybe two or three where you could sort of point to and say, okay, maybe there's a moment where Cersei actually does somewhat genuinely care because at the end of the day, Cersei's obviously Cersei's not dumb, and she knows, especially Tyrion is. At the end of the day, Tyrion is a Lannister. He's going to be on her side for the, like the betterment of house Lannister. I mean, he's clearly useful. He won Blackwater, right? He did like uh, maybe technically Tywin won and the Tyrells probably won Blackwater, but Tyrion I mean, definitely held Tyrion it. Held deserves, it he held Tyrion deserves Tyrion deserves 70% of the credit. He, he led the charge. I mean, I'm with him whenever he's going at his father and being like, how about some, how about some damn respect around? Well, in like, the chains and yes, the, which is, and the, team. and the pyromancy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's very uh, so I mean, I feel almost dumb suggesting that maybe Cersei did have some goodwill to sending a maester because, I mean, you know, he she did try to have him killed on the battlefield, <laughs> which is all he's thinking about. Um, 
but I don't know. I, I just thought about that or maybe Tywin's overestimating Cersei and thinking that she has the right, you know, the best brains to, to do something like this. I don't know. It, it, it was interesting to think about that and like what Cersei has been up to this entire month that Tyrion has been out. But we see him go to complete worst case scenario. He's panicked and he is he's losing it. And you're right. right. It's because he doesn't have any more power left. He's just a Lannister again. And the funny thing is, is if you look at Game of Thrones, Tyrion, He'd probably be happy about that. Hey, go drink. Go do whatever you want. Go back to Castle Rock. Like you literally, you can just run amok there. No one's going to pay attention to you. But now that he's had that taste of power, I think he wants it back. Yeah. You know what's honestly sort of something I kind of think about sometimes, though, with Tyrion, though, is that at the end of the day, he is his own worst enemy. Yes. Really, the only person to ever really do any damage to Tyrion is Tyrion. Because Tyrion opens himself up. Yes. to attacks. I still always believe that him being hand of the king was a test. Like if he had not taken Shay, I'm not saying Tywin would have come back and been like, okay, you're finally in my good graces and all of these things. He still probably would have came back and still been like, I'm hand, hand of the king. But you know, does Tyrion then get in trouble for killing Joffrey? Some of these other things. I don't necessarily know. I feel I feel like I feel like yeah. I feel like, you know, Tywin, I feel like that's Tywin would have whether it's just respect or something. I do think Tywin would have, he would have given Tyrion some seat of power, you know, I mean, or something. I mean, Tyrion could have been commander of the, the, the city watch. Yeah. I, I will say this. I, I think that Cersei loses pretty much all leverage that she had in that feud because she doesn't have the whore to punish. Right. And I'll, I'll brutalize right. Amon just as bad, which a lot of what we get into in this chapter between Tyron and Tyrion is the fact that he is very, very upset that Tyrion threatened to beat and lash Tommen. And, mm -hmm. you know, of course, Tyrion says, I would never do that. And it's like, well, you sent Marcella to Dorne. And he would have never had any of this. He would have never had a piece to be leaned on or blackmailed if he hadn't brought Shay. If he had just not brought Shay, he would have been okay. Yeah. So, so you're right. I think he, in some ways, he's his own worst enemy. And uh, we also get our first mentions of the Kettle Blacks here, uh, which yeah. you know have to be one of my most hated families. <laughs> like you got to give it to them. I mean, they're 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 making a way for themselves here. But the uh, Kettle Blacks are some of the most dense, dumb pieces of shit. <laughs> I can't stand them, dude. Oh god, I so hate stupid. them. Uh, well, hey, uh, well, uh, let me let me just read a little bit here. Um, sort of give get us in 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 the chapter a little bit here. Um, so one of just sort of the first lines here. So he woke to the creak of old iron hinges. Who he croaked? At least he had his voice back. Raw and hoarse though it was, the fever was still on him, and Tyrion had no notion of the hour. How long had he slept this time? He was so weak, so damnably weak. Who he called again. More loudly, torchlight spilled through the open door, but within the chamber, the only light came from the stub of a candle beside his head. When he saw the shape moving towards him, Tyrion shivered. Here in Magor's holdfast, every servant was in the queen's pay, so any visitor might be another of Cersei's cat's paws. Sent to finish the work, Sir Mandon had begun. Then the man stepped into the candlelight, got a good look at the dwarf's pale face, and chortled, Cut yourself shaving, did you? Tyrion's fingers went to his great gash that ran above one eye down to his jaw, across what remained of his nose. The proud flesh was still raw and warm to the touch, with a fearful big razor, yes. And so then it's it's brawn. 
but you can just even see just sort of that like setting the tone it's like man Tyrion's like he wakes up and he's in danger yeah completely I, I think George actually did a great job in the beginning of this chapter kind of setting up the feeling of like you know just being discombobulated like coming out of a sleep and being like where am I what am I doing you know it's me every time I take melatonin in a hotel room I'm like where where am I <laughs> I have been transported to a different realm uh and then we go on and we have the conversation between Braun, but also uh, one of the things I like that George did here is that Tyrion has to wear like maester's robes or something like it's like oversized robes and pants. So he like looks like ludicrous when he's walking to them uh, through the halls and he sees Sir Adam and everything. It's like just showing that that complete decline of status, even in the way that he dresses like they couldn't even go get him some proper clothing. Not good. Yeah. Not good yeah. at all. Yeah. You know, uh, another thing structurally, just as I'm sort of looking at some of the text here, thinking, you know, we, we're only a couple chapters in. So this one, this, this, this book starts with a Jamie chapter, which I still think is one of the most important chapters in the whole thing. Yeah. And it's, it to me is when I was like, really like, oh my God, this series is like amazing, amazing. Yeah. Was when you get that Jamie one. Then we did the Catlin chapter. Then we got the Arya chapter. So one of the things these sort of do is actually piece together sort of the structure of the book yeah. and sort of fill in the gaps in between. Because the next chapter we get to is Davos, which actually starts almost identically. Like Davos wakes up on a rock and he's like, uh, <laughs> yeah, he's uh, out, he's yeah. down, down. Yeah, like uh, and he's he's just yeah, he's just looking around. And there's like destruction everywhere. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like this is sort of the same thing. But again, we, as we've covered some of the stuff, it's sort of just like, OK, a lot of things have shifted. Most of it sort of power wise. But it's just sort of interesting. And I love these sort of early chapters because you just get to see, you know, George is like in one way he, he accomplishes so many things. And like this is, again, it's one of the things when I when we when, we, when we're talking about theories, I love it because you get to dive into the deep ooh, like lore wise. But when we go back to the chapters, you just get to talk about like George's writing a little bit, which is That's something right. we don't we don't talk about. But it's just so great, like the way he does this, because one of the things I've always, you know, uh, reading Wheel of Time, I think that Robert Jordan does a really good job of this is the first like 10 chapters. You could pick up that book having not read some of the other ones and not feel totally lost. Mm -hmm. So it is always interesting because you kind of see some of that in some of those early books or some of the early chapters of any book with like in a, in a big series. And I know you've read a lot of those, Jimmy, but yeah. I think George is one of the best at doing that where it's it's like it's like a well, small thing you don't really think about. But it's, you know, when you get a look at it chapter by chapter and overanalyze it like we're doing, it's like, man, that's just like genius on his part i mean he's just he's so good at it yeah a lot of authors especially in today's age struggle with exposition and info dumps especially when it comes to later books in the series whenever they're trying to remind people of some things and george does just enough to jog your memory but he won't generally he does sometimes but he, not not usually he won't outright tell you everything that's happened to that point um it's something that i i look out for whenever i'm reading into a big series uh, i read a, a ton of fantasy and i read a lot of that's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm -mm -mm. 
Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Brandon Sanderson, but Brandon Sanderson will never let you forget anything. Ever. Yeah. <laughs> like, there'll even be times, and this is kind of a side tangent, but there'll be times where, like, a character hasn't been in the book for like a couple chapters and you're thinking about, you're like, Oh, I wonder what happened to this character. And just as you think that he'll like mention the character and then it's a part of a twist. And you're like, I wish you would have just not mentioned it because I would have never seen this coming. But now like right. you signposted that I'm supposed to remember this character. George does a phenomenal job, especially in this Tyrion chapter of referencing things in a logical manner, which we will be talking about Blackwater. We will be talking about the fact that Bronn got knighted. The Hound ran away because Tyrion's perspective, Tyrion has no idea that the Hound abandoned King John. Right. So yeah. this is all news. And then we get, well, what about King Joffrey? Was he injured? So it's coming out in the dialogue, but it's not one of those things where like, you know, two people are talking that are supposedly have known each other for years in a book, but then they repeat things that they should already have known. Like I'd say, Matt, well, of course, you know, we run the bend the knee podcast. Like that'd be terrible dialogue, but books do it all the time. George gets by, gets away with it here because Tyrion's been knocked out for a month. He, he right. almost died. So he gets all the uh, info fresh. He get, he reacts to it, which is really entertaining as the reader, but we're also getting our memories jogged and we get a ton of stuff here. Like I said, we get the hound, we get Ty Tyrick Lannister's mentioned in this chapter, which is banana sandwich, um, which also talks about the riot, which we're going to talk about here in just a little bit. He talks about the Tyrells. He says, they spit on me while they throw roses at the Tyrells feet. So we we see already there's a big feud building there and the Tyrells are a new player in King's Landing. What's going to happen there? So it's just like building all this stuff and it's almost overwhelming. And this is just well, from one chapter. It's crazy. And not and not only that, but he also hints at all the things to come mm -hmm. inside inside of the chapter. It's so cool. Like even going back, I'm just look, I'm just relooking at this here. When uh, the line I already read, when Tyrion re, uh, pushes over his his nose, right? Tyrion's fingers went to the great gash that ran from above one eye down to his jaw across what remains of his nose. The proud flesh was still raw and warm to the touch. Now, he says the proud flesh, right? He could have just said the, the flesh. Mm -hmm. He could have just said, you know, the no, like the, 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 the cut was still raw, the whatever. But he says the proud flesh. So not only is it just... Hmm. Oh, the injury, but it's also Tyrion's pride, right? Yeah. I mean, that's another thing that's lost here is he was the one that saved the Battle of the Blackwater. He was the one that was serving his hand of the king and turning everything around. You know, I mean, you got to think about also when he takes over his hand of the king, it's not like he's doing so at a time when everything's good. He yeah. takes over the time when Robert Baratheon, the king of the last like 20 years, has just died. And there's now a war of five kings and Tyrion takes over hand as kings. A civil you know, war. Yeah, as of King's Landing. And it's not to mention Daenerys Targaryen's over there with dragons. So 
I mean, it's kind of a big deal that when the, he's, he steps in, <laughs> he steps into that role and now he's reduced to nothing. And it's just like small little stuff like that, which is just one of the things I love when we get to go back and read the chapters and sort of just view over just George's writing. Cause I think it's just, I think. Yeah. True, true descriptions. And, and, and that that's where the good are separated from the great. A lot of times, like, I think that the proud marking on his face, I think that you could probably dive into symbolism for that over the right. entire series. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, I mean, it's, 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 yeah, it's just so good. So, um, okay. So continuing on here a little bit. So again, he's asking a lot of questions like, what about Rob Stark? And so we're getting this, yeah. right. We're getting, we're getting these, it's a, the whole info dump of what's going on. Um, and we're getting it, you know, through Braun telling Tyrion. And then you get these sort of like things, you know, when Tyrion's, uh, you know, you get these sort of things about it right you know um so here's like one what's half what's half a nose on a face like mine but speaking of pretty is marjorie tyrell in king's landing yet no she's coming though the city's mad with love for her the tyrells have been carting food up from high garden and giving it away in her name hundreds of wains each day there's thousands of tyrell Mel Tyrell men swaggering about with little golden roses sorn on their doublets and not a one is buying his own wine wife widow or whore the women are all giving up their virtue to each every puzz you know peach fuzz boy with a golden rose in his teat and then Tyrion thinks they spit on me and buy and buy drinks for the tyrells right and so like that's the way a lot of this chapter goes is you get the get the, that little inner dialogue with, with Tyrion. Mm -hmm. yeah and and we're also getting key information like you said about rob stark and Tyrion questions like is the boy blundering for the first time in the open field because what is yeah. what is there to do at duskin west of duskendale which you know we could just read that and say oh okay whatever but when we get to those chapters later we see that plan kind of like take hold right really cool yeah that's i mean it's just these early these early chapters honestly sometimes are like the most important chapters of the book because they literally yeah. hint at like everything yeah, I mean, even go back, even go back to the the first chapter in Game of Thrones. They find the direwolves. Okay, they found the direwolves, one for each Stark boy. But how did the direwolf die? Oh, it was killed by a stag. Like, okay, yeah. you don't really think anything of it. Yeah, and Tyrion's then it could be symbolism scene? for like the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Tyrion's first scene is talking to his father, and his last scene will be almost talking with his father, talking right. a little bit, but also doing other things. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, did you have any other big takeaways, Jimmy? Um, you wanted to dive into here? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think uh, I think that covers the chapter pretty pretty well. I mean, the big thing here is that Tywin says that you know you'll never have Castle Rock, and I think that it puts uh, Tyrion in his entire existence into perspective, and I think that that will probably uh, explain why Tyrion goes the way he does. Yeah. So uh, just real quick. Uh, so well, yeah, one thing I did want to bring up. So when he does ask for King's Landing or um, or not King's Landing, Cast Castle Rock, uh, this is where things get obviously a little heated. Um, you know, your father's his father's mouth grew hard. Your brother's birthright. The Knights of the King's Guard are forbidden to marry our father, children to hold land. You know that as well as I. The day Jamie put on that white cloak, he gave up his claim to Castle Rock. But never once have you acknowledged it's past time i want you to stand up before the realm and proclaim that i am your son and 
your lawful heir. Lord Tywin's eyes were a pale green flecked with gold, as luminous as they were merciless. Casterly rock, he declared in a flat, cold, dead tone, Mm. and then never. The word hung between them, sharp, poisoned. I knew the answer before I asked, Tyrion said. 18 years since Jamie joins the King's Guard, and I never once raised the issue. I must have known. I must have always known why he made himself ask, though he knew he would rue the question. You asked that. You who killed your mother to come in this world. You're an ill-made, devious, disobedient, spiteful little creature full of envy, lust, and low cunning. Men's laws give you the right to bear my name and display my color. Since I cannot prove that you are not mine to teach me humility, the gods have condemned me to watch you waddle about wearing that proud lion that was my father sigil and his fathers before him. But neither gods nor men shall ever compel me to let you turn Casterly Rock into your whorehouse. My whorehouse, the dawn broke. Tyrion understood all at once where this bile had come from. He ground his teeth together and said, Cersei told you about Aliaya. Is that her name? I confess, I cannot remember the name of all your whores. Who was the one you married as a boy? Taisha, he spat out the answer defiant. And that um, camp follower on the Green Fork? Why do you care? He asked, unwilling even to speak Shay's name in his presence. I don't. No more than I care if they live or die. Um, So it sort of goes on there and they just talk actually a little bit aliaya right and then the next one i find in your bed i'll hang is what tywin says which this is a reread so we all know uh huge foreshadowing except it's the other way around but one of the things that's kind of interesting here is that tywin specifically asks who is the one you brought who is the one you took with you from the green fork so does he know does he <sighs> Yeah, I mean, because because Cersei's not privy to that information. So where would Tywin have learned that? Well, she's there at the camp when when the, that battle is getting ready to take place. So perhaps Tywin knows that Tyrion's had a whore, whore there. That well, yeah, and he does right because right? he says like, "Don't bring that whore." Don't here. don't right. So that that must be that must be it. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, and of course, um, so a lot of big things there. One, Taisha's name is mentioned, which mm-hmm. I think is mentioned. But it is mentioned in a Game of Thrones uh, when they're having that thing. Uh, and Taisha will Taisha is actually a huge part of the end of why Tyrion kills him is because he learns the truth from Jamie. That's right. right. He he le- he learns the truth about her actual what actually happened to her um, at the at the very end again here in the first chapter. But if you go back a little bit, this is one of the huge indicators for a lot of people that believe the Tyrion is perhaps a Targaryen theory uh is a lot of this right here because he's so you know he's talking about your when you were born you you know you killed your mother i have to call you my son even though i don't really want to i can't prove that you're mine yeah um so a lot of it goes to that so i mean what do you think about the what do you think about the is Tyrion a targaryen theory jimmy well, we do know that the timeline doesn't match up for him to be the Mad Kings because that was always the speculation is it's a lot of weirdness between Tywin and the Mad King. Right. And say that he would like flirt with Tywin's wife, everything. Um, we should dive into that a little bit more and look at the hard, right. cold, hard facts. But as far as I know, and someone can correct me if I'm wrong, Senator Raven, but I don't believe the timeline actually makes sense for Tywin or, or for a Tyrion, for Tyrion to be 
to be the Mad Kings. Uh, now, does that mean another Targaryen wasn't involved? Who knows? Now, what I will say about Tyrion being a Targaryen is that his eyes are always pointed to, right? Are always pointed to the, the fact that they're not just like the Lannisters. They actually remind everyone of the Targaryens as well. The only thing that has ever been really... Um, not concerning, but interesting. We'll say, we'll say compelling to me is the fact that Tyrion has dragon dreams. I find that to be very strange. Um, I think it's in a game of Thrones where he talks about it. It could be clash of Kings, but he talks about his dragon dreams. And that's where we hear about him burning, like burning casterly rock and all this other stuff. Um, that's what I find to be interesting about the theory. I don't necessarily know if it's true, but I also wouldn't be surprised if it was written in a way where George left it open to where he could use it if he wanted to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the timeline, the way it sort of works is that obviously, you know, they, they're people point to the fact that the mad King may have taken, you know, liberties on Tywin's marriage night, right? Like King's right. Joking about it. Obviously that couldn't have been like Tyrion because Tyrion is born after Jamie and Cersei. So it would be like when he's handed the King or, you know, there's like, there's like a tourney that takes place where it's like, okay, that could have worked um, for Tyrion to have been it. Um, you know, that would like their relationship would have obviously, or whatever the mad King's doing, mm -hmm. um, whether it's an open or forced relationship. Uh, I think there's, I think there's, there's, certainly possibilities for it but i've just always gone to the idea of the, especially you know people point to the you're no son of mine line i guess i've just always thought that that it would sort of ruin the Tyrion tywin dynamic yeah i agree i think i think to me it's always like that's it that's sort of the point like the mm -hmm. point is that is that Tyrion is tywin's son and the point is that Tyrion kills his own father I think that's so, like it makes it more it makes it mean more. Um, I will say, though, on the other side, the idea that if any if that Jamie and Cersei actually could be tar, 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 Targaryens, which is like, you know, it wouldn't really do anything like because I don't think it's, it's not going to really play into anything. But if that were the case, then it would sort of explain potentially like a mad Cersei and some of these mm -hmm. other things. Um, and then also make their incest, I guess, a little less weird because they're Targaryens and whatever. <laughs> a little more congruent with the Lord. I, I guess, yeah. <laughs> but um, to me, that would actually make it even, that would then even strengthen the Tyrion-Tywin relationship and make it yes. that much more impactful because no, Tyrion actually is your only son and Jaime isn't. Yeah, so I think... Cersei and Jamie being Targaryens would be a lot more interesting. I think there's less of a chance of that being the case. Um, right. But there's I agree just know where to go with it. Yeah. And it, I don't necessarily think we need it. I, I, right. The, the one interesting thing that if Tyrion were a Targaryen is that it would put a whole new meaning to three heads of the dragon, especially if Aegon is fake, if he is Fagon, and then you have Danny, John and Tyrion, like that would be wild. But again, I think that you're right. I think that it would cheapen the relationship that we have seen built with Tywin and him. And also, let's be, let's be clear, Tywin is an elitist prick. And we hate the fact that he thinks he can just disregard Jamie's vows and give him casterly rock. Like he can like they're above the law. And nobody and, and nobody likes that, right? So the fact that Tywin can't come to terms with the fact that he spawned a dwarf, um, like it's some awful thing. 
like that is very important for Tywin's characterization. I think is the fact that Tyrion is his son, and he refuses to claim it. Like I feel like I feel like Tywin wants everyone to take this responsibility, but he won't take responsibility for himself at times. Right, and he's and just he he's the worst. Ign- he ignores Jamie yeah. and and Cersei. Yeah, so so often like he almost refuses to accept reality in in, in multiple circumstances. Like even when we're talking about like. Cersei maybe was looking out for Tyrion, possibly for real when the maester was sent. But like we only get that because Tywin says it. So is Tywin also turning a blind eye to that reality as well? I think yeah. probably is that's probably the most logical thing to, to, to go with. So yeah, Tywin is just the worst. He thinks his shit doesn't stink and he's a hypocrite. Uh, especially yeah. when we see him laying with Shay. It's like like that actually is his arc, is that he is just un- he's he's not capable of accepting reality yeah i will say that i don't think one i don't think Tyrion is a targaryen i also don't think we'll ever get any confirmation to it whether because i just i think again a lot of the build-up and everything is for the gene is for the moment where Tyrion kills tywin so we like the idea that okay maybe Tyrion isn't but jamie and cersei are because i mean you know just exploring some of the theories suggested throughout you know the 20 years we've been waiting for winds of winter um, you know, I don't think that that will ever come out, come out to be because one, there's nothing to really do with it. And two, if you did do it, like, what does it do? I mean, what does it do? Like, we're too late in the game. I think for a lot of these theories, like even Shay, I think we're too late in the game to ever find out. Like, what would revealing information about Shay right now as we're moving to Winds of Winter and Dance of Dragons, you know, assuming when they come out, what would that do? To the to the overall story yeah i don't know who I, would tell us because it's still a mystery i mean it's like where'd she come from what's her deal i don't know that we're ever gonna get it i think it's just she's just no she was there in that moment she and that's it's just gonna be left it's gonna be left which is something i think you have to think about when we think about a lot of these theories some we know we're gonna have to get answers to because you just can't not explain them but I think that's that might be one where it's like, I don't know that we're ever going to get anything on anything more on Shay. Yeah, I don't think we'll get anything more on Shay. You know, one interesting thing about Tyrion that someone pointed out to me a long time ago is that he has met all of the would be dragons. Like he met John, he met Fagon, and then he's meeting Danny. Like yeah. he has had contact with all three heads. So him being like, you know, you like maybe somehow that thematically were, I don't know. Um, but that was just something someone pointed out to me one time that I thought was really fascinating. It's like, yeah, he is the one character that's kind of seen everyone. He's, he's kind of he been could around. Be the, he could be the prince that's promised. Oh, he no. Could be, he could be Lightbringer. Oh, he's no. meant to unite them. Oh, my right? God. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Okay. Well, um, so one name that was kind of popped up in here, uh, and we're going to do like a full episode on this, but we'll briefly touch about it mm-hmm. um, just because I've received like five Ravens from the same person um, about this. And so I, I definitely want to make sure that uh, we dive into it here. Um, let me just get this pulled up here, but we're going to talk a little bit about uh, Tyrick Lannister and the riot, right? Jimmy, the King, the mm-hmm. King's Landing, right? It doesn't happen here, but you know, um, because here we go. So Randall Barker has sent us this many times. Uh, he goes by Dick Crabs Squire. 
uh, awesome. has sent us, and, and it's a picture, and it's from season two, episode two, with the right. Now, remember, this is where Joffrey is in the cart, and he's with Marjorie, and well, I don't think Marjorie's there actually. He's in the cart, and then he gets out, and people start throwing food at him and everything. And he sent us this picture, which I'll have on the the screen, and it's somebody who looks sort of like Varys. And I guess the idea though is, could Varys have been? Could could Varys have sort of started the riot? But yeah. from my remember, is Varys is actually there and urging Joffrey to get back in into it. Um. So I actually, while this person in the picture does sort of look like Varys, I don't know that it could be Varys himself. But I guess in general, the idea, though, that Varys is the one who maybe has birds or something start that riot has a lot of weight to it. Yeah, this, so this is one. This is something like Matt has said. We're actually going to dive pretty deep in on, on Tyrick Lannister because, like, he's mentioned in this Tyrion one chapter in A Storm of Swords, and it's a question that I always forget, and that is, where is he? What happened to him? Um, and he think he's dead, uh, but I would say that the fact that Tyrick Lannister is mentioned multiple times since his disappearance, and there's no body, would say that rules of fantasy mean that he is alive and being used for. Other reasons something. now, yeah, there, there's something's going on with Tyrick Lannister for sure. So I think there's a much more compelling theory. Like we'll we'll discuss the next time we get together. But let's just look at this, you know, Varus angle. So the idea behind Varus being behind the riot is that it propose it actually gives an opportunity to snag Tyrick Lannister. Now, why would he want Tyrick Lannister? Well, uh, some people think a high profile hostage would be great for the for the uh Fagon or Aegon. We'll just call him Aegon because we don't know if he's fake yet. Uh Aegon coming over, all this plans with Illyrio. Some people have suggested that Tyric is being taken away by Varys to be kind of bribed. Say, hey, you know, when we come in over with Aegon and he takes the throne, you can be the head of a house of Lannister because all these other traitors will be executed. In this way, they still have control of Casterly Rock, all of the people in the West. And he's kind of like the bargaining chip and he's kind of going to be used as a figurehead because he's like, dude, he's so far down in the secession. I think he's like right. seven oh, yeah. or like 17th, yeah. maybe uh, he's like a cousin of a cousin or something. So it's like. How many of the Lannisters are they planning to kill? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know how that works, but there has been some people say that it would be a hostage situation. Like, hey, we have Tyrick, which I think Tywin would go. Okay. <laughs> How about it? Yeah. Good luck. Um, I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, you know, um, it's interesting because he is the son of Tyget Lannister, who is the one who went missing, who like went over to Valyria, who like tried to go find the old uh Valyrian steel sword of House mm -hmm. Lannister. Um, so like that is certainly like just kind of interesting that he's just happens to be like this the son of that person but yeah i think the idea of him possibly having tyrick as a potential whether he turns him into a, his own little spy or he's using him for information or it's gonna come into play later you know varus is somebody who's always like especially in the books like eight steps ahead right yeah um the only thing I I can use to sort of discredit that is why is it why wouldn't he mention that to Kevin Lannister at the end of a, a Dance with Dragons to say hey like I've also got him and I'm planning on doing something with him when he before before he kills Kevin Lannister in that thing which again is like enormous difference from the show 
Yeah. Like huge difference <laughs> from from the show. Like monumentally massive difference from the show is that like we could honestly do like five, we could honestly do like a two or three hour episode just on the epilogue of a dance of dragons and someday we will and the sort of significance of that but yeah i would uh i do think potentially i mean the idea of Varys starting that riot makes a lot of sense because who knows what happens in a riot maybe the king gets killed we're not sure yeah or certainly or or lowers his approval rating and people don't like him i mean Varys is definitely up to something you know whether it's installing Daenerys or installing a Targaryen. Or I don't think we can know. rule Varys out at this moment. The only reason why I don't find it as likely is because the other theory that with Tyrick, which we'll cover in another episode, is way more interesting and honestly kind of nutty. Like, I can't believe that I haven't heard this before, like two months ago, uh, whenever we were looking up stuff on Tyrick and we were kind of preparing for the reread. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Varys is clearly up to something. I could see them wanting to put a Lannister back in charge over at Casterly Rock, but not one that is that close to Tywin at this point. It does make sense. And I wouldn't rule it out. I actually, I actually don't think this is too, too far-fetched. You know, I don't know how fast Varys can relay information. So what if he didn't even plan the riot? But during the riot, he just said, hey, this is a great opportunity. They'll snatch old Tyrick with his bowl cut. I assume he has a bowl cut. I don't know why. Yeah. <laughs> we don't really know there's not really there's not really a lot but he's just he's honestly a character who's just sort of mentioned uh and he's he's gone missing so yeah he, he that will come back up because george doesn't just do that he doesn't just yeah. drop in something so um, and, and hey maybe this is a drop storyline because we know that you know things have gotten unruly like is there a chance george loses this one in the shuffle it could happen i hope it could i hope it doesn't it could <laughs> It could. So, all right. Well, with that, like we said, we're going to come back and do definitely a bigger version of that. And Jimmy and I also just did last week, we did like a huge, uh, huge Patreon episode about uh, Arya and yes. Sansa in in Winds of Winter. Uh, and that was, that, was like a, that was like an hour long episode. So you can find that over on Apple Premium or on Patreon. Um, but yeah, so as always, thank you guys for who support us over there. So with that, guys, I want to thank you for playing the Game of Thrones. In our next episode, we will be discussing a Storm of Swords Davos one. Let's go. And if you like our podcast, don't forget to subscribe, like us, write a review or leave a comment or send us a raven at btkcast at gmail.com or bendthekneepodcast.com. We will see you next time. And remember that winter is coming. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. 
Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. 